Hello everyone and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch the Muppet movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a very special guest star. Tell the folks who you are, special guest. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. I'm Roz Strand. I'm Anthony's wife, and I'm a early childhood special education teacher. I'm really pumped to be here. That is all true. And I'm very excited to have you sitting next to me down in our basement. I know. It's nice to be down in the basement with you rather than upstairs um, listening to probably Top Chef. That sounds right. That yeah. sounds right. Anthony, would you say Roz is your favorite guest we've had so far? I would say that that is true. Yes. Well, you have to oh, say cool. that either way. So. Yeah. Although actually my daughter Iris was technically on before this as well. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I think they're, I think they're both tied. She, she's a pretty good, she's a pretty good little podcaster. She's been running her own pretend podcasts. She does down here in the studio very yeah. often. Um, <laughs> That's great. So today we are looking at minutes 67 and 68 of the Muppet movie. We begin with Snake Walker announcing that when asked what he does, he replies, kill frogs. And we end with Fozzie's car dying as Doc Hopper threatens to shoot Kermit. Um, so we start with Snake Walker here, right? Saying that he, he kills frogs. And what I love about that is Doc Hopper has this just huge grin on his face. He's wearing these aviator sunglasses and he's just so excited that he hired a man who's going to kill a frog for him. Yeah, I, he thinks think, he's, he's finally got the solution. I, I like Snake Walker because he's, you know, as intimidating as this guy looks, you know, he's all in black leather. He's pretty much in white makeup. You know, he looks like some sort of steampunk gothic killer on their loose. And then as he shoots, you realize... He's not shooting a gun. He shoots a fork. He hits the frog yeah. with a fork. And all of a sudden, then you, you kind of get the levity. And it's just like, oh, I'm so glad that you don't have a gun. I'm so glad that you're shooting forks. Because what he is is just like a really, you know, scary frog gigger, you know, yeah. which isn't as scary as some of the other people out there who could be shooting after Well, Kermit. and they were. In the last minutes, we saw all these guys shooting rifles. At we him. did just see several men shooting guns at a, a representation of Kermit. Yeah, and, and it's supposed to be not scary because Max is up there making the Kermit the Frog cut out, jump around, and he's not getting shot at all. Well, what's the thing? Max is in the line of fire this whole time. <laughs> he sure is. And, and I love how he, when the harpoon hits the Kermit, with the wooden Kermit, Max just kind of reaches out to it like he kind of wants to touch it or something. Yeah. And I really love that. It kind of looks like Max would like to, you know, heal that, you know, just like, oh, yeah. you actually got hit. I knew that these other guys were incompetent shots, but who knew this giant fork would hit its mark? Yeah, so. Max is definitely freaked out by that, which is yet another step in the the, the progress of Max in this movie. Um, and there's something kind of supernatural about Snake Walker, including to me his voice, which I don't know. I, I, I've always wondered because he kind of sounds like Jerry Nelson to me. And huh. I've always wondered if they possibly 
dubbed Jerry Nelson doing a like a scary guy voice over this actor, um, Scott Walker. But I, I have no idea. I, I mean, it might just be my ear playing tricks on me. Yeah, it's possible. I really don't know. Um, I will say one thing I love about Snake Walker is that, like, Roz, you mentioned that you think he looks like a gothic yeah, like mime or whatever. Steampunk killer. Yeah, but to me, he looks like something out of uh, The Seventh Seal. He looks like the Grim Reaper out of Birdman's The Seventh Seal or something. He's wearing all black, this white face. So yeah. he's just like death personified in a Muppet movie. I get. I, I guess that it, he sounds like Ludwig von Drake to me. Also, <laughs> really? that makes sense. I'm not as intimidated by Snake Walker. He to me, he's he's a comedic grim reaper. If there is such a thing, sure. Well, you saw Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah. So you know that there is. I know that there is, and Snake Walker is also that same type sure. in a movie. Sure. So who'd have thought there was more than one? I, I, that's funny though, because I feel like he's intended to be genuinely menacing. Like we're supposed to to realize that now. Hopper really, really means business. Yeah. Sure. He's no, Well, up, up till this point, of course, he just wants Kermit to star in his TV commercials. Yeah. He had the rifle. He shot Gonzo down with the rifle models. But now he's like, apparently, as, as we discussed last time, hired a whole team of frog assassins. Like, he wants to kill Kermit yeah, so Yeah, he's badly. just ready to kill Kermit. He's done with it. Yeah. I guess, you know, a little bit of my background, I grew up in Missouri. So there were actual people who would go out frog gigging. They'd go out with giant forks and catch frogs with these giant forks. You know, the intention was to eat them just like snake walkers. But, you know, mostly they were like eight to 14 year old boys. So whenever I see that snake walker and he's totally scary, but then he has a fork. And that to me just always makes me kind of laugh because it's just like, (laughs) You're like a 14-year-old boy who's dressed up for Halloween. You want to kill Kermit. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. But I wonder if if the filmmakers were aware of that kind of thing. And not not really familiar with Missouri uh, Boot Hill frogging, maybe? Uh, I mean, who knows? (laughs) I don't know. Whole subgroup of Muppet people are laughing, and and they didn't know. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you learn something new every day, I guess. Yeah, I sure do. Yeah, you and I don't talk about frog gigging. We have never. This is this is this is news to me. <laughs> I kind of thought that it would make you sad. You so. heard it here, folks. Anthony is finding things out about his wife that he never knew. <laughs> it's true. Um, so, anyways, after the the snake walker business is over, we move on to the whole gang back in the car again, and um, we come up now on piggy hitchhiking. Yeah, I want to mention real quick though before that. Uh, I think Fozzie asks Kermit how long he thinks the the rest of the trip will take. And Kermit says they have to be in Hollywood by tomorrow, which I think is the first time there's been a specific deadline. So that's raising the stakes. Like they have to get to Hollywood. now. They're they're running out of time. Which makes it interesting that the ad way back at the beginning with Dom DeLuise, that ad does not have a date on it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So how does Kermit know? Maybe Piggy's agent told him. Uh, who knows? Could be. Um, but uh, so, anyways, you come across Piggy hitchhiking, and um, of course, this is ridiculous. The audience is going to know it's ridiculous, and they lampshade it not once but twice. Right? <laughs> when, when Kermit sees Piggy, he says, "I don't believe that," 
And when Piggy gets in the car, she says, what an unbelievable coincidence. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the movie is playing right up front with like, of course this is absurd. Of course Piggy isn't going to be picked up as a hitchhiker by her only friends that we know of. <laughs> well, then but, a minute later, she says, so much has happened to me since I saw you last, which like, we have no idea how she got there. The last time we saw her, she was leaving the, the barn. She abandoned Kermit to go do a commercial. So there, there's no reasonable way to explain how she ended up on the side of this exact same highway. But, you know, there it is. And we just kind of accept it. I think I think that really has to do with who Piggy is, though. Um, you know, she's always in control. She's and if she's not in control, then she's usually fighting for control. <laughs> um, so you know that it's completely planned on her part. I mean, she's sitting nonchalantly. She's not sweating. She she has all of her luggage in this perfect little you know, thrown on the side of the road with her perfectly organized self, which nobody looks like that on the side of the road. If you've watched out your car window, nobody looks like that. And, you know, so she, that's, everybody lets the kids know, oh yeah, right. All the Muppets are grumbling. Like, are you kidding me, Pig? Of course you have this plan. But Piggy knows how to make an entrance. Right. And that, that, that's a perfect example right there. So you think maybe she looked at a map and she was like, well, they have to pass by this spot on this highway if they're on the way to Los Angeles. Either that or called in enough like fake traffic incidents to force them <laughs> on this road. Because I really, I really don't put that faster. Yeah, I no, I, she, I'll buy that. I yeah. believe that she can manipulate things enough that everything's going to go the way that I want it planned. And whenever it does, I will look fabulous. <laughs> well, and you mentioned that she's sitting on her luggage, which in my mind, when I think of this scene, I always remember that Piggy has her, like she's sticking her leg out, like Claudette Colbert in It Happened One Night. No. But she's not. She's 100% not. No, she hasn't chipped a single nail in this entire journey. She has found a way to get all that luggage there. And she's not even standing up. She doesn't need to stand up. They're going to stop because... That's Piggy. Why wouldn't they stop? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. I don't believe that. But yeah. <laughs> so then Piggy, of course, gets in the car. And what I find very interesting here is Rolf, who, of course, is the only person who doesn't really, he doesn't know Piggy. He's never met her. Right? He, they may have exchanged hellos in the bar or something. We don't know. But essentially, he doesn't know her. He's the only one who says, do you think she needs help with her bags? And all three of the guys are just like, no, she does not. They, they all just shoot it down immediately. <laughs> yeah, I played it back a few times. To You think it's all three of them? I definitely heard Fozzie and Gonzo. You think Kermit is saying no also? Maybe not. I, don't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't go back and double check. It just seems like there's a consensus, no, she doesn't yeah. need help. Yeah, either way, I just find it hilarious that none of them are happy to see her. Right. I, I noted that too. And also, I thought that that was really clever. Um, if we like step outside of the Muppet world into the movie world, because not only does that give a chance for them to have some dialogue while she's moving towards the car, but also it's like an excuse. Ah, we're not even going to reset the Muppets for this pig. You know, they don't, they get to do this beautiful shot of her walking up to the car and then looking through the window and they don't have to move the Muppets at all. It's just like, nah, we're not going to do that. That's too much work. Yeah, huh. And so I, I thought that that was really clever because then you get a slightly longer scene without 
without, you know, ha- without, without having trying- to cut and rearrange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get to add that comedy to it where it's just like, nah, Piggy, no, we're not going to help. Right. Well, and then what I love is so after Ralph has offered to help, which, as she climbs in the car, she just hurls her bag in between Gonzo and Ralph in the back seat. Hurls her writing case. Her, sorry, her, her writing <laughs> case, right, which is what she calls it. Um, and what I, but it's so, like, we discussed earlier at the Bogan County Fair, her handbag is tiny. She's, like, packed her bag and it's just this little thing. Now she's been gone. So much has happened to her. And part of that so much is apparently getting a much, much larger suitcase. Mm. Yes. Right? Which she calls a writing case, which is just a fancy enough term that I, you know, I would believe that that's the Bergdorf Goodman term for it, is a writing, writing case. Writing case, right. Although it, it, it could also just be something Piggy made up. I, that's what's so brilliant about it. Right? <laughs> Although you say Bergdorf Goodman's, do you mean because she used to work there after college? Well, you know, you, you, you get all these Muppet movies and you, you watch them you know, as many times as we have, and everything just sort of blends together. Right, sure. Just a, a Muppet soup. Just a big Muppet soup inside your head. It's a beautiful thing, really. Yeah, well, that actually reminds me, too. Um, she says, what an unbelievable coincidence. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure Piggy has the exact same line in The Great Muppet Caper when, when she's on the side of the road trying to get to the Mallory Gallery. And, and then the uh, motorcycle rolls out, right? Yeah, the, yeah, a truck drives by and hits a bump and a motorcycle rolls out the back. And I think, I'm pretty sure she looks at the camera and says, what an unbelievable coincidence. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. There's um, a lot of fun self-referencing, I know, throughout some of the Muppet movies. Yeah, but I don't think she's said it again. Like, it would have been fun if then she had said it again in The Muppets Take Manhattan, but I don't think she's ever done it again since then. Yeah, yeah, she could have said it in every. She could have said it when Ker, she and Kermit are both meet up. Um, you know, after she gets robbed, she runs into Kermit in the yeah, park. Yeah, yeah. See, it could have been the Muppets. Uh, I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing that she says whenever she first gets into the car is, "Hello again, it's me." And and I just gotta say. Anthony, that totally reminds me of your mom. (laughs) No, that's true, because when my mom calls me, she always says, hi, Anthony, this is me. Always. (laughs) She leaves me a message. I really love that. You know, that's just pure self-confidence. And I wish that I I could be that person. I always identify myself by name, I guess. Sure. But um, it's, it's really fun. Just like, hi, it's me. And I can't help it. I hear your mom every time I hear that line. Sure, now. sure, yeah. Fair enough. That does sound like my mom. Um, so what Piggy says, uh, like you mentioned, Ryan, is she says so much has happened to her since she saw them last, which we never get to hear what has actually happened to her. No, we have no idea. At, at no point in the movie do we find out. But um, what I love is Fozzie then says, yeah, sure. <laughs> and we've talked about this before, but... There's this undercurrent of Fozzie being so annoyed with Piggy whenever they're in the car together. And they're both Frank Oz, so we don't see this dynamic between them much. But Fozzie's just annoyed, and she doesn't notice at all. And Fozzie's just kind of quietly seething because his friend has this girlfriend that he doesn't like. Right, yeah. I mean, We've probably talked about this before, but I think that's part of it, is that he and Kermit were supposed to be this team, and they were going to you know, hit the big time together. And now suddenly there's this this interloper. Right. Well, and also it gives him kind of a, a job to do a job that he 
chooses himself, but it's like now he has to watch the road and he has to watch Kermit because he's got to watch out for his friend. Obviously, this pig is up to no good. And, you know, in some ways he's right. I mean, Piggy's very self-entitled and and so confident that she's kind of narcissistic. So he's got to watch out for her. He's got to make sure that they keep going and not get sidetracked by this pig. And so now it's like, oh, now I got even more work to do. I got to watch this pig. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah. Um, And Kermit's response. So Fozzie says, yeah, sure. Kermit's response is, frankly, Miss Piggy, I don't give a hoot. Um, Which, so there's no It Happened One Night reference with Piggy hitchhiking. But there is a Gone with the Wind reference. So there is a Clark Gable reference in this scene. It was just not the one I remembered. There you go. Um, You just had to wait a a few more seconds for it. Right. And of course, Clark Gable in Gone with the Wind says, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn to Scarlett O'Hara, for those who may not know that reference for some reason. Um, Can't imagine Kermit ever saying that, though. No, Kermit doesn't say that. Yeah. Kermit doesn't drop a D-bomb in this one. Nope. And then our final response to this is Rolf starts to explain who he is. I was playing piano at the bar and then... (laughs) Ah, oh, forget it. He's so nice. I love that. <laughs> Ralph is such a nice guy. Yeah. He's just the nicest dog. He is. He's a good puppy. And it, it almost seems to reflect the writers maybe thinking, oh, so so Piggy and Ralph haven't met yet, so we should have them introduce them. Ah, never mind. Nobody cares. So right. they just wrote that into the movie. Yeah. So Ralph and Piggy don't officially meet, but that's fine. It, we don't need that. Ralph, Ralph literally just turns his head and watches out the window after that. If you just watch Ralph. Yeah. It's, he tries and then he's like, eh, okay. And he mm. just watches out the window. Right. Well, but also I think he watches out the window because what happens next is I think one of the most awkward moments in any Muppet thing ever, right? Which is Kermit and Piggy have to make up. Because yeah. she took off when they right after they had been attacked, and she saved both of their lives. Yeah, she just left, and um, so her idea to get Kermit to forgive her is to say, "I miss you," and ask for a kissy kissy. Oh gosh, this is the part in my head where I'm just like, "Miss Piggy, no means no." Yeah, because Kermit mm. is—he's all business at that point. He's just like, "No, I don't think so." He shuts her down. Just done. And you think that that should be it, and she yeah. keeps going. Right, she she guilts him into one little hug, which then he gives her a hug, and he's just kind of like, oh, piggy. And he looks uncomfortable. He does look uncomfortable. and he's not happy. And what I, like the body language in that scene between the two of them, where she's like really going for it, and he's looking very timid and kind of kind of shying away from her, is so good. Jim Henson and Frank Oz have put so much detail into that, yeah. packed into a tiny little car with at least four other Muppeteers. Mm-hmm. If not more. Like, I mean, I know probably not two hands on Camilla, but there's a lot of people in there. No, and like guns on Camilla might be one, I'm thinking. You know, yeah, I, I, I don't know. True. I don't think either does anything in those shots, but... Yeah, Camilla's not moving a lot in these shots. I, I almost wonder in, in certain shots if she might just be like on a stick. Yeah, that yeah. might be true. But, um, but yeah, so it's like, there's, they do not have a lot of room to work with. And they make Kermit and Piggy both seem so real. It's almost painful. <laughs> yeah, and Kermit never really relaxes into that hug, but he does kind of just resign himself to it, which I guess is because, like you were alluding to, they had to have, like, you have to see on screen Kermit and Piggy making up. So they right. were, they just, I guess, had to get it over with as quickly as possible, even if it's awkward. 
Right. And it kind of never comes up again. Right. Like, yeah. From this point on, they're just kind of, I mean, she calls him Mon Capitan on a little bit and it's just he, regular again. He still never reciprocates it, though. It's no, more no, like, no. oh, okay, fine. I'll let you hug me. But then there's never, there's never anything from Comet. Yeah. You're right. You know, he doesn't initiate anything ever again. And, you know, at least not in the next few minutes. So it's very, I don't know. It's very uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah. It, yeah. It is. It's it's the most uncomfortable moment in the movie. Fozzie is uncomfortable too. Right. Fozzie looks we, away. Rolf looks looks away. Yeah. Like mm. rewatching the minutes and you watch each of the Muppets. It's like Rolf is looking out the window. Gonzo is kind of looking anywhere. Camilla's cross-eyed, probably on a stick and back. And Fozzie looks like he could probably just stop the car and throw Piggy out. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So what happens next then is that Doc Hopper invades their radio, right? And announces, you've been listening to music to Hug Frogs by. Isn't it Hunt? No, Hug. Ah, no, see, I I wanted to bring this up. So I'm glad you said that. Um, A few years ago, I was actually, uh, I think we were watching the movie. I was watching this movie with our friend Joe Hennis, also of Tough Pigs. And we happened to uh, realize that I had always heard it as music to hug frogs by. Joe had always heard it as music to hunt frogs by. So, so my reasoning being again. that is, this is happening as Piggy is hugging Kermit. Right. But Joe's reasoning was that Doc Hopper is hunting Kermit. So they both make sense. Right, they do. But um, yeah. I actually started at that time a couple of years ago, I started a, a thread on our, our Tough Pigs forum about it. And we had... 11 people who said they heard hug and 15 who said they heard hunt. But I'm here to tell you today on the record in the June 12th, 1978 draft of the official screenplay, it does say music to hug frogs by. So it's so strange, but that's what was just happening. One little hug. But how would Doc Hopper know that they're hugging? He doesn't even know where they are. Doc Hopper sees all. Well, I mean, we we're seeing that he has the power to interrupt a radio broadcast to to talk directly to the Muppets. So it doesn't seem like such a leap from there to knowing that Kermit is being hugged. I don't know. Well, Which, by the way, I think that this is pretty good evidence that negative use of social media has existed for a very long <laughs> time. Okay, Doc Hopper is essentially a ham radio troll right here. He's making death threats over the radio. He doesn't care who sees it, doesn't care who hears it, but he's targeting one person. He's such a troll at this point. Yeah, no, yeah, right. he's bullying Kermit. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I would I would encourage our listeners to uh, chime in on our Facebook page and stuff, and and let us know if you have heard it as hug or hunt or something else. Yeah, and then well, then I was going to say about the radio broadcast. Also, he he cuts into the radio, and the radio is not just playing generic music; it's playing a smooth jazz, easy listening version of "I Hope That Something Better Comes Along," mm-hmm. which like makes sense as score for the movie because that's one of the songs in the movie. But the idea that they are listening to that on the radio, a song that Kermit and Rolf just sang, (laughs) and apparently ad-libbed, right? It's very strange. Do you think at any point Kermit and Rolf are like, wait, isn't this the song that we were just singing last night? Yeah, I hope so. I hope they noticed. Yeah, that'd be weird. It'd be very very weird to have that experience, yeah. (laughs) 
never happened to me. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> but so uh, Doc Hopper threatens to, turn, threatens to turn Kermit into a frog burger. He doesn't turn himself in. And then, you guys, am I crazy? Or does Kermit look directly out at the camera when he says, we'll be okay? Like, to me, it looks like he is making eye contact with the audience and assuring us that everything is going to be fine. Hmm. Isn't he kind of looking around at at kind of like everybody in the car? That's the sense that I got, but I would have to go yeah, back. Yeah, he like looks at all the, all the friends, but like he's saying it to them, but I swear he's looking right at us. Yeah, it looks to me like he's just kind of looking around and looking out the window, but he does look directly in the direction of the camera. So I, uh, yeah, you can certainly interpret it that way. Yeah, it seems to me like he's reassuring, especially the kids at home, right? That like he's right. not going to get turned into a frog burger. Yeah. Which is more subtle than your Elmo in Grouchland, where the movie stops, where it comes to a screeching halt several times, so Bert and Ernie can freeze the movie and tell kids that everything is going to be okay with Elmo. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is a much more subtle way to do it. Yes, and I think I think that they cover it pretty well because he is looking at his piggy, he is looking at Fozzie, but he does. Right. You're right. He does absolutely look straight out. Right. He look. He looks at all of his friends and us, who are also one of his friends. By fourth wall, it'll be okay, kids. Yeah. Hmm. We we don't need that fourth wall. So then, like I said, Piggy calls him Moon Capitan again, and then the car dies, and that brings us right down to the end of these minutes. And and my worst nightmare happens where your car is dead right beside a field. That actually happened to us once. It was not a pleasant experience. Oh, no. For us. Um, so she could relate to Fozzie's horror. Sure. Um, and his denial. Right. <laughs> well, and we'll get to that next week. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else to add uh, before we close, either of you? I, I have a few things from uh, the good old uh, June 1978 draft of the screenplay that I mentioned. Um, in that draft, it, it was before, right before they pick up Piggy that we actually meet Scooter and Animal for the first time. The Muppets were going to stop at a gas station. We were going to see the men's room, the women's room, and then Fozzie comes out of the bear's room. Ah, which that's a solid gag. And then uh, Scooter was going to pop up and offer to pump their gas. And he was going to be there with his dog animal, which huh. doesn't really make sense because why not just be like, this is my friend animal. I don't know. Um, yeah. Plus Scooter could never control animal. <laughs> true. Let's, true. Let's yeah. Let's face it. He's a gopher. He needs animal needs a bandmate to keep him. Yeah. And then uh, Scooter was going to ask if he could come with them to Hollywood. Fozzie was going to say, how come you want to go to Hollywood? And Scooter was going to say, it's the only way we could get into the movie. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, it, it was much more efficient and effective that they did it the way they did it to have both of them in with the band. Right. Um, also, there was a scene after they pick up Piggy in which um, Hopper tried to <laughs> drop a bomb on the Muppet's car. Whoa. He's watching a radar screen with a little blip that represents the car. And then uh, Max counts down from 10 and presses a button on the dashboard marked bomb button. And the bomb hits the highway right in front of the car, narrowly missing it because Max forgot the number three in his countdown. And Max says, I'm a chauffeur. Where is it written? I can count backwards. Huh. Which, That's not yeah, a good joke. Yeah. Not, it's not a great joke, and they probably cut it just because they didn't want to have to, you know, do the whole bomb and explosion thing at this yeah, point in the movie. Do that special effect, yeah. 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 
So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. So anything else, Roz, for this one? No, I'm, I'm really glad that they didn't do the bomb, though. I think that that would be a very, very different sort of movie if they're like breaking out that heavy artillery. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would. Again, I'm much yeah, more you know, it also shooting forks. Right. It seems a little bit beyond the means of Doc Hopper. Yeah. 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 He is just a, you know, small businessman. And a right. sweet fella. <laughs> so pretty much all of these cuts from the screenplay have been good cuts. Right. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what other cuts we have in store for us later from that screenplay. But for now, we're closing the shop. So uh, listeners, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, anywhere else you can find it. You can follow me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan at me, Ryan Rowe. And Roz, where if anywhere? Can our listeners find you on the internet? <laughs> um, how about they try? And uh, if they find me, then I'll give them a wave or whatever there is out there. I don't have a very strong internet presence on purpose, though. But thanks for letting me be on the podcast. But you have occasionally contributed to toughpigs.com. I have. I have as usually a co-writer. I tend to you know, stick to my job more and enjoy the Tough Pigs website rather than contribute wholly. <laughs> that's true. Your, your co-writer, that's usually Matt Wilkie, right? Oh, yeah, me and Matt. We're yeah. real tight. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so uh, that's it for today. And uh, Listeners, if you're so inclined, give us a positive review on iTunes. And tell all your friends to listen to the show. And please join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.